we like to say, all these veterans are actually trained as leaders, team builders, and problem solvers. That's what we got when we were in uniform. And who paid for that training, right? The taxpayer. You did, right? So if you don't want to take advantage of, of sort of leveraging that training, then, then you know, that's just a loss. Welcome to the Columbia University Sports Management Podcast, live from Radio Row. I'm Scott Rosner, the host for today, joined by our guest, Chris Marvin. Chris, former student, back in the days when I was at my previous place of work at the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Um, and Chris has an amazing story that we'll have him tell uh, in our podcast today. Chris, go ahead. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Scott. My pleasure to be here. I think I'm supposed to say go Quakers, right? I, I yeah? think so. Okay. It's better than what you would say for your undergraduate, that is for sure. And that is go Irish. <laughs> That's exactly right. So, uh, Chris, let's talk about your story, your background. Uh, we'll start with the actual very basics, uh, where you grew up, first of all, and where you're from and background and take us through your life. Yeah, I grew up in uh, central Illinois um, and actually came from a family with a strong military history. Um, I had uh, three generations of uh, military in my family going back to, actually four generations going back to my great-grandfather, um, all Army combat veterans. Um, and uh, World War II, World War One, Vietnam, and then I was in Afghanistan. And uh, um, none of that had anything to do with why I chose to be do ROTC in college in Notre Dame. Uh, that was because my dad told me I needed to find some money for college. Uh, and, and track and field alone wasn't doing it? Track and field was, uh, yeah, the, the NIL money wasn't there back then. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I ran track and field in Notre Dame and did ROTC at the same time. Uh, so I had a full load. Uh, somehow man managed to graduate as well. Um, but, and, and not just graduate. I mean, let's, let's, you know, you're selling yourself short a little bit. You did pretty well. I did, I did well enough that they gave me a commission in the Army and let me go fly Black Hawk helicopters. So I did flight school. Uh, ended up going to Afghanistan as a platoon leader in 2004, uh, where I was wounded pretty badly in a helicopter crash. Mm-hmm. And that sort of kicked off the rest of my story, uh, which ultimately led, led me to Wharton, um, to, my, to my MBA program. Yeah, so, so after you heal from, you know, post, post-injury, um, then you have a few years before you come back into Wharton, right, to get your MBA. Yeah, that's right. I mean, my story is really, you know, being that combat wounded veteran, like pretty early in the post 9-11 generation, 2004 was when I was, was, was injured. So only a couple years into the war in Afghanistan. And, you know, the, the nation reacted to us in a way that made me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it, it's actually funny when I talk about it today, I actually make a sports reference to to sort of relate to it. It's the standing ovations of baseball games that we all get it's that, that that veteran that we bring out on the field during the national anthem and all of that sort of like let's let's tell the veterans thanks for your service but also let's think of them as broken veterans or broken heroes like we love them but there's something wrong with them and and i didn't like really the laudation or the valoration uh valorization but i also didn't like the charity and the pity that came with it um and so i got involved with some early organizations that were empowering veterans to support their communities and help out locally to be the leaders in the civic assets that that i felt like i wanted to be and the veterans really um are and should be and so we uh we i helped start an organization called the mission continues which helps veterans uh to uh to volunteer in their communities Mm -hmm. Uh, got involved with an organization called team rubicon which helps veterans um respond to disasters Um, so really using the skills we have to to help our community and our country 
um, and, and was doing that. Um, I, hopefully that helped my applications when I was looking for my MBA program um, before I went back to school there. So you enroll at Wharton to get your MBA. You have the great misfortune of taking a course with me when you're in there <laughs> on the business of sports. Um, where you are, as I recall, and as you recall, perhaps not so fondly, uh, the, the, on the receiving end of a lot of, uh, let's say, snarky commentary around uh, the University of Notre Dame, right? I, I feel like I always had good responses. Um, you know, look, when you went to a university that can carry its own television network contract uh, for decades on end and, you know, continue to be a relevant player in the college football landscape over and over and over. Now, we need that national championship, but... But we're there, and um, you know we're, we can go into Notre Dame football more. But hey, this the new rules are helping us out too with these with these transfer portals and stuff like that. We don't have the NIL down yet, but but we got the transfer portals. We're getting some good players in, so we're uh, we're excited. About yeah, that. it's I, funny. It sounds. I can always like, respond. It's, it sounds a lot like exactly. Yeah, you had no hesitation in doing that, and it sounds a lot like Michigan in, in that way too. So you get your MBA, right? Um, you overcome the poor teaching that you saw in my classroom. And you go into what? So I, uh, I turned down a couple of lucrative consulting opportunities and took a chance on a nonprofit gig. Um, and pretty quickly that turned into this campaign that, that we called Got Your Six that we were um, running in basically in Hollywood, working with the entertainment industry on the way the veterans are portrayed in film and television. So when you get back to that idea that I, I, I wasn't in love with the way that veterans are perceived in society, we sort of traced back one of the reasons was the, the way that they're often portrayed um, in entertainment. And so, um, and that includes, that certainly includes sports, again, the standing ovations and whatnot. So we're like, well, we can work with entertainment to do better, right? To, to, to show veterans as your next door neighbor, to show veterans as, you know, the, that the person who's supporting the community, really, to, again, to show veterans as leaders and civic assets. And we worked with every major studio, network, and agency to get that done. That campaign for me lasted uh, about four or five years. Um, and then I struck out on my own and started doing some consulting. Yeah. And so that brings you ultimately into the sports world, right? Where we're here on Radio Row and, and you approach me and oh my gosh, right? That that moment where, you know, our, our, our path, if someone from your past who you're very happy to see, uh, you know, comes upon you. Um, and why are you here on Radio Row? So as a consultant, um, I lucked out and got this amazing client called Vet the Vote. Um, and so they are doing precisely what I'm so excited about is getting veterans engaged in the civic space, uh, supporting their communities. Um, and, and my specialty has become uh, sort of narrative building for that purpose. So I'm, I'm building this narrative for this campaign called Vet the Vote that works on uh, getting veterans to volunteer as poll workers for elections. And that sounds very specific. But if we really think about everything we're doing out there, whether it's military-related, entertainment, sports, just daily life, like elections are crucial, right? And it's some one of the most divisive parts of our country today, right? The politics, the ideologies, um, and and we have people who you know don't believe the results of elections, think the elections are being tampered with. We also have a shortage of poll workers. So what better group of people to fill the gap and to provide some more confidence? for all Americans in the results of these elections than those of us who have served our country. So Vet the Vote uh, recruited 63,000 veterans last cycle, last November, to volunteers, poll workers, and one of the main reasons they were able to was a partnership with the NFL. Right. So the NFL has their NFL Votes campaign, really to, to, to look at all aspects of, of voting, and I think that you know this Vet the Vote campaign has done a great job of checking the box both for NFL votes and for the NFL's Salute to Service, which is another campaign that they've been working on for uh, more than a decade now. 
Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. Every so often, and really I feel like in the last couple of years, you've seen, and we've seen a lot of criticism of this kind of paid patriotism, you know, faux, you know, pro-military pieces. How do you, what's your thoughts on that? And, and, and what do you, what, as, a, as a vet, right, a, and a combat vet, a wounded combat vet, right, um, who, who's done so much to help so many other veterans, what's your thought on that? You know, the answer is, I've already sat here and complained about standing ovations at baseball or football games, right? But the truth is, there is a way to do it and a way not to do it. And I think that every league um, and every every club within the leagues like has probably done some really great stuff and some really pitiful stuff. Um, you know, and, and and it really just has to do with like, how are you talking about the veterans or the military? Are we talking about them with respect? Are we talking about them? Um, are we are we telling them like, hey? you are a important member of our society today or are we just saying like you wore a uniform once and i'm going to thank you and then i'm going to walk away and go on with my daily life right and so it comes down to that thank you for your service narrative um and think more you know and, and if someone comes up to me and says thank you for my service or thank you for your service to me i'm happy to say you're welcome and then i expect another question where'd you serve what you do what was it like because if you don't have enough time to ask me the second question so uh, then, then you're not really thanking me for my service. You're doing something that you feel is maybe your patriotic duty to like thump your chest and, and say, great job, buddy. I like to see that in the leagues as well. And I think that you, you do see it occasionally. Um, and, and, it's, and it's when it's more subtle, when it's honoring veterans for what they're doing today, not what they did a decade ago. Um, and, it, and it's really not, you know, not thinking about all the, the, the bombast and, and the patriotism involved and really just say, like, these are members of our community and our society that are that are valuable. And we want them uh, to be honored for for the role that they play today. Um, now, as far as the, the government paying to advertise, I mean, look, we've we've watched the Marine Corps slay dragons on our television commercials for our whole lifetime right like come on that's true I talk to Marines today who are like oh yeah in 1987 I saw this Marine slay a dragon with a sword and that's why I joined the Marine Corps so look everything advertises right and so like what what are we paying for as long as it's long as it's above board and there was some questionable stuff from the Pentagon like especially with sports leagues but for the most part I'm not I'm not opposed to saying like, you know, join the Marine Corps, join the army. Like that's just recruiting. We've always done that. Uncle Sam's done that for, for, for a century, right? Sure. Absolutely. So, you know, it's funny. We, we talk about it and we have in our program, in our master's program, a steady stream of veterans, um, from, from all branches actually, uh, who come into our program, take advantage, um, of the GI bill that they have earned, um, and, you know, and, and enroll and, and come in with, amazing experience i think and this was your, largely your experience as well going into wharton you've got all the leadership experience in the world right especially if you have been if you're in an academy right you've done your your five years right six years um and you come out you've got all the leadership experience in the world you've got all the tools in the world now you just need an avenue a, a direction for that right and you know we were joking around about it offline but i i have said many many times over that former military are without question i love all my students but former military are my favorite group of students to teach right and it's in in, in because of people like you quite, quite honestly um so you know while i of course thank you for your service and I'm genuinely interested in what you're doing i also thank you 
because of the doors you've opened for so many others and for allowing me, I think selfishly, to learn so much. And I think that what you said right there answers the last question a little bit because you you admire veterans for what they bring to your classroom or what they bring to your program for the contributions they're making. It has you, you can correlate it with the fact that they serve in the military, they receive leadership training, but the value that they provide is today, right? And I think that in society, no matter what we're dealing with, I've done a lot of work on gun violence prevention, I've done work on national parks advocacy, a lot of civic engagement work, like whatever it is, these veterans are adding value today. And I think that you know, if you can, if you can see it that way, um, then, then, then you're being respectful of the veteran. And we like to say, all these veterans are actually trained as leaders, team builders, and problem solvers. That's what we got when we were in uniform. And who paid for that training, right? The taxpayer, you did, right? So if you don't want to take advantage of, of sort of leveraging that training, then, then you know, that's just a loss for, for our culture and our society or for your classroom or for your university. So that's, that's kind of, um, you're, you're summing it up really well. Uh, and I'm glad that we've had a few veterans in your class that have impressed you, even if they did go to Notre Dame. <laughs> well, uh, Chris Marvin, I really appreciate you coming by. It was, this is one of those serendipitous moments that seems to happen um, far too infrequently uh, in, in my life and I think in a lot of other people's lives, too. We thank you so much for coming on the Columbia University Sports Management Podcast uh, with us today. Um, continue best of luck with all that you're doing and uh, look forward to crossing paths again. Yeah, my pleasure. And remember that we should uh, be voting, volunteering, and supporting those who do. That's our message about the vote. And uh, so glad to, to be able to talk about it here. Thanks Absolutely. Thanks, Chris. This has been Scott Rosner. We'll see you down the road.